Well, Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for spiritual family. We're growing in our knowing as a church family that spiritual family is a spiritual reality. And we love you, Lord, for the truth. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. All right. My iPad's going to reconnect and then go blank, but it should come back, hopefully. Uh, we've been talking about being a counterculture to the world. We don't want to look just like the world. We want to live different than how the world looks and lives. And so we've been talking about 10 things. I got it, Boone. I think if it comes up. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. We've been talking about 10 things, how to be a counterculture that the Lord gave us. And number 10 is we're committing ourselves to spiritual family for spiritual support. We need one another to help us grow. Can I get an amen on that? We need one another to help us to grow. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus introduces what I call an atomic bomb because throughout Scripture, nobody was relating to God as Father, but come into the new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. All right. In the new covenant, he's introducing relating to God as father. He shows up using the Aramic term Abba, which translated for us as daddy God. Nobody in the Old Testament related to God as father. Now, there were a few uh, references to the father of Israel, but there's none of this. Uh, I'll be your father and you'll be my sons and daughters like we see in the new, cov- new covenant. So Jesus in introducing this prayer in Matthew 6, 9 is introducing this profound concept that our relationship with Almighty God, Elohim, Yahweh, is transformed to relating to Him as Father. Here's what the Apostle John said in 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love. Now, this translated, literally he's saying this is a love not of this world. It is outlandish. It's outrageous. It's uh, it's an incredible type or manner of love that the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called His children. Love has done this. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it did not know Him. Now, in researching, studying this a little bit, as I mentioned, it's implied that John is astonished at the depth, the manner, the type of love that God the Father loves us with. And then it says, has bestowed, literally means has given to us, what love the Father has given to us that we should be called His children. The perfect tense indicates this gift of love and this gift of sonship is the permanent possession of the children of God. It's the permanent possession of the children of God. That's fantastic. So what he's saying is, As a child of God, you're not trying to get God to accept you as His child. This belongs to you as your own permanent possession. This manner of love by which He would bestow upon you uh, to be His child is yours forever. And not only that, your sonship, your daughtership is permanent. It is yours forever. That's why John is saying this is such an outlandish, astonishing type of love that he would do this. You do not have to try to earn this type of love or to become His child. If you are born again, you belong to Him. And this love upon you is permanent. Isn't that good news? You're not trying to get God to bless you today. You're not trying to get God to accept you today. You're not trying to get God to love you. All of that is unbelief. He already does. 
And you say, well, I, I don't always feel that way. Well, I got news for you. Your feelings and emotions cannot discern truth. Truth is truth, no matter how you feel or what you think about yourself. Don't use your, your doctrine. Don't form your doctrine based on how you feel and how you think and what somebody else said or how you behaved. Truth is truth. God cannot lie. He has bestowed this love upon you. He has bestowed this revelation that you're begotten of Him. You're His daughter. You're His son. And this is fact. This is fact. Come to terms with it. So grace is what God gifts you, okay? That's what God gives you. But faith is when you appropriate what He's given you. So start living in the awareness that you're loved by God. Start living in the awareness, the truth, the real reality that you're His son or daughter. Our desire here at Grace Church is that you begin to experience the life and culture of spiritual family. Spiritual family is a spiritual reality. It's not something you do. Spiritual family is who we are. If you're begotten of God... If you're born again of the same spirit, which we all are, we are family. The people next to you, you're already spiritual family with them. You don't do something to become spiritual family with them. God did it. So if you don't like them, you have to take it up with God. (laughs) Because the people on your row and across the aisle belong to you. I'm going to say it again. See... Spiritual family, you can't let man define it. If you want to get the right definition, you've got to go to God. God defines what spiritual family is. It's not because you did this, or it looks like this, or it's this certain amount of people. Spiritual family is a spiritual reality. And when you got born into the kingdom of God, you got born into the family of God. How many of you entered this physical world through a physical birth? Okay, good. Good. <laughs> not a trick question. In the same way, you entered the family of God who is spirit. Stephen mentioned John chapter 4, right? Whoever worships God, God is spirit. Whoever worships Him does so in spirit and truth. So just like you entered the natural world through a natural birth, you entered the spiritual world relating to God, spirit to spirit, through spiritual birth. And when you did that, you became part of the family of God. He defines spiritual family. Yes, there are connections. Maybe I'm closer with Matt than I am with Joe Schmo or whoever. But if Joe Schmo is born again, he is my brother. And we are spiritual family. I do not call this spiritual family, and this is not spiritual family. We are begotten of God. We are family, and we belong to each other. So spiritual family is a spiritual reality that here at Grace Church we're learning to walk into. We're learning to walk this out. And so I want to put this up here. You can take a picture if you want, but I think it's super important. Satan fears a church that identifies themselves as spiritual family. Satan fears a church that identifies themselves as spiritual family and embraces the responsibility of learning what that looks like and how it's walked out. Just like he gifts you with righteousness. You've been given right standing with God. You've been approved uh, by God through Jesus Christ. Um, So... Satan fears when you begin to identify yourself as a person who is in right standing with God and then embraces the responsibility of walking that out in the same way you've been given to one another as spiritual family. 
And now we're learning what it is to walk that out. Very, very important. Let me give you a couple of passages here. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. We've been looking at this. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel, but our lives. We imparted our own lives to you because you had become so dear to us. So here at Grace Church, we don't want to just give people the gospel. We don't want to just offer people Christ. We want to offer ourselves to them. Amen. We don't want to just meet people's spiritual need. We want to meet their relational need. So that's why we have, you know, the skating rink. That's why they had the cookie thing. We had 60 plus. Why do we have men's prayer breakfast? All those things, discipling groups, uh, discovery groups. Why do we, why do we do that? We don't want to just meet spiritual need. We want to meet relational need. People have relational needs. So we're not just going to give them the gospel. We're going to give them ourselves. Remember, if you try to save your own life, you'll lose it. If you try to hoard yourself to yourself, you'll lose your way. But if you'll give your life to Him and sow it into others on behalf of Him, you'll find what you're made for. Amen. Good preaching, little preacher. Good job, Steve. <laughs> I encourage myself. <laughs> um, how about this one? Scott brought me this one. Scott Knepp, who shared a little bit last week in first service. Colossians 3.12 of the Passion. You are always and dearly loved by God. Well, that's confirmation, isn't it? That's how we started today. You are always and dearly loved by God. The moment you set out to go get something, you just told yourself you're not something. If you go out to try to get love from God, you're in unbelief. You're too late. He already loves you. He loved you the whole time you were walking over yonder to get Him to love you or whatever it was you were doing. People drove to church this morning hoping that God would love them. He loved them all the way on the drive. He loved you before you even started trying to get Him to love you. You are always and dearly loved by God. Why is this? It's not because you're so good. It's because He's so good. So dare to believe how good He is. And when we begin to see and taste ourselves how good He is, then people can taste and see through us how good He is. But as long as we live with this idea, well, I think he loves me. I'm not sure he does. Maybe I performed well today. Maybe I didn't. How are we going to be able to share the true love of God with people if we don't believe it ourselves? So anyway, that's just a confirmation there. Robe yourself with virtues of God since you've been divinely chosen to be holy. Be merciful. This is spiritual family. We're just learning to walk it out. Here's some definition. Be merciful as you endeavor to understand others. Be compassionate, showing kindness towards all. What, What if he cuts you off in traffic? Show kindness towards all. Be gentle, humble. Look at this. Unoffendable in your patience with others. Wow. Unoffendable. I love that. We don't fight with people. We fight for people. And if somebody is so upset, they're so broken on the inside that all they can do is be mean to you and slander you, you need to pray for them. They're the one in bondage, not you. you just got to be able to see it. Unoffendable. Everybody say, I am unoffendable in Christ. Verse 13, tolerate the weaknesses of those in the, here it is, the family of faith. We are family. Tolerate weaknesses of those in the family, forgiving one another in the same way Jesus forgave you. If you find fault with someone, well, release the same gift of forgiveness. Verse 14, for love is supreme and must flow through each of these virtues. Love becomes the mark of true maturity. Wow. 
Verse 15, let your heart be always guided by the peace of Christ who called you to peace as part of His one body and always be thankful. Let the Word of Christ live in you richly. Notice how it says let. That's your choice. Let the Word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the Scriptures as you teach and instruct one another. That's spiritual family. It's what we do when we get together. Teach and instruct one another. Psalms, praises, prophetic songs like we did this morning. Spontaneously by the Spirit like this morning. Sing to God with all your hearts. Let every activity of your lives and every word that comes out of your mouth be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Well, we could just take this passage and just, if it was our, if it was our aim to walk this passage out, it's a challenge. Bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. I'm going to talk about this later, but the truth of the matter is, it's not just hard for you to love people. Everybody loves Jesus, right? Who wouldn't love Jesus? It's people that are much more challenging. And the good news is, it's not only hard for you to love people, it's impossible. Christ in you loves them. So life becomes, instead of trying so hard to ratchet up some kind of love for somebody that my emotions are contrary with, instead we defer to Christ. We get the mind of Christ and we get the eyes of Christ towards that person. And He loves them. The true you died for that person. That's really who you are. Identify yourself in and with Christ who's in you instead of by the flesh. If you just see yourself by the flesh, you're not gonna, you're just gonna love them by the flesh. Okay, but more on that later. Uh, so that was Colossians 3. How about Romans chapter 12, 9 through 16? Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, don't fake it. Abhor what is evil, cling to what's good, be kindly affectioned to each other with brotherly Philadelphia love. Phileo love. In honor, give preference to each other, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient tribulation, steadfastly in prayer. You know, when we get together, let's pray together. Distributing the needs of the saints, giving over to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. This is all spiritual family right here. Be of the same mind towards each other. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. Amen? Does that seem challenging? (laughs) Don't know yourself by the flesh. Christ in you lives this out every day. Christ in you lives this out every day. Okay, I've got uh, 20 aspects of spiritual family to help you see what it is and why God values it. 20, so you can take pictures of them if you want. i got five on each slide. Aspects of spiritual family to help you see it, why God values it. Number one, spiritual family is God's idea. If you want to know something that has to do with God, start with God. Don't start with man. Don't start with theology books. Start with God. Here's a perfect example. You want to know who God is? Don't, don't go ask some theologian, who is God really? Go to God and ask for His personal, perfect revelation of Himself. And he will speak to you. Scripture confirms it. Jesus Christ is God's perfect and personal revelation of himself. Colossians 2 verse 9 says that Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. So you want to know who God is like? We go to God 
and he says Jesus Christ is the express image of his nature. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. John chapter 1, verse 18. Does that make sense to you? So in the same way, if we want to know about spiritual family, let's know first of all that it's God's idea. We're going to let him define it. We spent a little bit of time on that, that it's not what man says it is. It's what God has done in each of our hearts, birthing us into the family of God. Literally, Scripture says in Corinthians that the Holy Spirit has placed you into the body of Christ the day that you got born again. Secondly, spiritual family is an anchor. Josh Kirkus mentioned this last week, and then Chester kind of followed up with him. Chester was talking about his struggles as a young man, trying to walk the walk and live the Christ life. But he thanks God for this group of men that he always comes back to to remind him who he is. It's kind of like this plumb line in Chester's life that I can always come back to that uh, is an anchor for his walk with the Lord. Number three, spiritual family is a place of honesty, openness, and vulnerability. Josh talked about that. When we're honest with each other, when we get to know each other, we can help each other. We can do some hard things together as we're honest with each other. Now, let me give you a little nugget. How many of you ever made a mistake? You've committed a sin. All right. If you didn't raise your hand, you committed one. <laughs> So when you mess up, fess up, go directly, go directly to the Lord and ready, be honest. As soon as you're honest, you send the devil packing. You want to know why? Because honesty is a character trait of the spirit of God. So even though you were in your flesh and you did a big piece of stupid, the moment you start speaking and being honest, you are back walking by the spirit by being honest little nugget there for you i've learned through many mistakes of my own number four spiritual family is an environment where growth and equipping happen it's an atmosphere where we're talking we're sharing and helping each other number five spiritual family is an identity not a duty i mentioned that earlier it's not something we're doing it's really who we are by god's hand what we're doing is learning what it looks like to walk it out number six spiritual family is preferring others and one anothering. Scripture all throughout the New Testament. Love one another. Forgive one another. Be kind to one another. Honor one another. Prefer one another. So we call it at Grace Church one anothering. When we were at the skating rink Sunday night, it was beautiful just to watch the one anothering that is going on. Okay, people just ministering the life of Christ one to another and being good to each other. Number seven, spiritual family is coming to know Christ together. And coming to know Christ in each other together. Okay, you can't just get that through just casual relationships. It's when we learn, hey, we are spiritual family, brothers and sisters together. Number eight, spiritual family is bearing one another's burdens, fulfilling the law of Christ. Love this passage. Let me show it to you in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... You who are mature, make sure you shame them and condemn them until they leave. <laughs> Never, we're not supposed to kill our wounded, amen? We're supposed to help each other. Why do we help each other? Because look what he said. Restore them in a, in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. In other words, you're not all that in a bag of chips, so help your brother. When he stumbles... 
I love this. You who are spiritual, you're mature. Restore. Everybody say, restore. Such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So the, the love of God, the kindness of God is what leads people to repentance. The goodness of God. Remember one of the things we took away from the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. Do you remember when Jesus approached her? What did he ask her? There's a couple of things. He said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. There's, there's none, Lord. And then he said, neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. So the power to go and sin no more for someone who's struggling and being overtaken in sin is two things. They're free from accusation and they're free from condemnation. If you can help get them to that place, they will be empowered to get up, dust themselves off, begin to walk with Christ again. Make sense to you? That's the principle of the woman caught in adultery, John chapter 8. Woman, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. Once accusation and condemnation are gone, they're empowered now to go and sin no more. And then verse 2, he says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So that takes us through number 8 there on, uh, on spiritual family. Also, Jody had mentioned to me, Jody Brown, who's on staff, she loves the book of Philemon because there's a concept in there about your debt is my debt. And she's, she feels like that goes with number eight, where we bear one another's burdens. Whatever falls on you falls on me. Uh, Karen talks about that, who's also on staff. She said, even if I haven't seen some of my really close spiritual family for a few months, I can pick up the phone and call. If I need something, they're going to be there. They are my family. Okay, so that's what that is. Bearing one another's burdens, your debt is now my debt. The next one, spiritual family, is biblically learning what it means to be someone's brother or sister in Christ. Number 10, spiritual family is shared experiences. Brother Scott, last week in second service, Scott Kinnett, talked about that uh, we're doing life together. Okay, we're sharing experiences together with people within the body of Christ. We do hard things together. As you share Christ in each other's lives, you begin to discover some of the strengths, some of the weaknesses, some of the gifts, etc., some of the blind spots that your friends in Christ have. But then you help fight for each other's freedom. You, that's what I mean. We, we need one another to stir one another towards freedom and towards walking in uh, the truth. Let's go to the next one. Number 11, spiritual family is a place of forgiveness. We read that in uh, Colossians chapter 3. Forgive one another even as Christ forgave you. So one of the reasons the Lord wants me walking close with Matt and Matt with me is because we're not perfect. So we get to learn to forgive. God is very interested in us learning, all of us in this room, learning to forgive. He really is. It's a, it's a participation with the divine nature of Almighty God, who is a forgiving God. Jesus on the cross, nobody came up to him and said, Hey, forgive us for ripping the beard, ripping your beard off your face, or jabbing a spear in your side, or spitting on you, or hurling insults. Well, they lied about him relentlessly. Nobody said, We're sorry for that. And yet, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's because for the power to forgive doesn't come from an apology. It comes from Christ in you. Christ has the power to forgive. 
So he asks you to walk with each other in this life so you learn the value of forgiveness. Church, churches are not full of perfect people. We're here because we're not perfect. <laughs> right? Doesn't that make sense? This idea that churches are full of perfect people and, man, I went to a church and I got hurt. and I mean, well, well join the club. It's full of broken people. Can I tell you something truthful? Thank you. If you grew up in a church and they didn't show you the love of God well or somebody mistreated you or somebody hurt you in church, that does not relieve you of your personal responsibility to walk with Christ despite what somebody else did to you. And people say, well, <laughs> we almost started clapping, didn't we? Pe- people say, people say, well, no, I, I don't go to church anymore. I don't, I'm not a Christian. I don't walk with the Lord anymore. I don't do any of that because somebody did this. You have abdicated responsibility. That is your own responsibility that you're going to follow Christ, love Christ with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, regardless of what somebody else has done to you. We've all been hurt. We've all been mistreated. And you know what? We've been on the other. We've hurt people and we've mistreated people. That's the truth. And so we have to own our personal responsibility. We can't blame it on somebody else. You're at where you are in Christ because you choose to be where you're at right now in Christ. So just continue to keep growing. Get up. If you get hurt, forgive. Get up and keep going. Why do we forgive? Because we've been forgiven. And we're talking about an incredible debt that he paid. Number 12, spiritual family is a place of love. We get to learn how to love one another. That's Colossians 3. It's the real mark of spiritual maturity. Uh, We're walking together here at Grace Church with imperfect people. Why? Because God's very interested in you learning to love like He does. And He loves imperfect people. He gave Himself to imperfect people. Don't shout me down. I'm preaching good right now. Spiritual family is a place of teaching. That was Colossians 3 as well. We teach and admonish each other in Christ. Verse four, or Number 14, spiritual family is not just inviting Jesus into your family, but knowing you're now part of His family. Yeah, we are family and, and we're shifting our mindset to realize, hey, I don't want him just to be in my family. I want to start recognizing when I got born into the family of God, I have family. Remember when Jesus said, here's my family, my mother, my brother. So there's, this is God's idea and spiritual family is a spiritual reality that we're learning to walk in. I had a good brother come and talk to me in between services. So thankful for what's unfolding here. We have to be able to see the reality. It's not something we create. That's why I said it's not, you don't define it and say, well, here's my spiritual family. There's three or four of us. This is them. Oh, no. Spiritual family is a spiritual reality. And God made you brothers and sisters one with another because you're washed in the same blood. You're cleansed by the same Jesus Christ and you're born of the same spirit. Uh, Go ahead. Give him praise this morning. Amen. Everybody say, God did it. So God did it in us, and now we're learning, you know, what that means. What does it look like to be Mark's brother, Larry's brother? We're learning that with humble hearts, teachable hearts. It's part of the journey in Christ. Just like you got to learn on forgiving. You learn how to love. God teaches us how to love. I'll show you that here in a moment. Um... Number 15, spiritual family is celebrating our different giftings, not competing or comparing. Amen. 
Look at Romans 12. Uh, let me find it here. Romans 12, 4 through 8. For as we have many members in one body. Everybody say one body. But all the members don't have the same function. Remember the salad example. Spilled salad. So we being many, here it is again, are one body in Christ. Individually, we belong to each other. We, we are members of each other. You want to know why that is? Every one of us are deriving life from the same source. So we belong to each other. Christ is our source. We're all deriving life from Christ. That means we are members of each other. Does that make sense? Because one source is sourcing all of us. So we belong to each other. Even though we have different gifts and personalities, that's half the fun. <laughs> you may as well enjoy it. You can't change it. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us. There it is. Let us use them. Prophecy. Uh, ministry, which is serving, teaching, he who exhorts, that's encouragement, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with, uh, that's administration, with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is a powerful passage. And you remember Jody was the one that kind of brought this out when I was talking to the staff about spiritual family. She said, I love the fact that when I'm down on the floor, because she's a servant, she's down there and she's cleaning up the salad mess. She said, I love the fact I'm not lamenting that Sylvia went to the store to buy more salad. Because in immaturity, immature gifts would be like, well, why isn't Sylvia doing what I'm doing? Why aren't you valuing the cleanup process like I'm valuing it? Well, it's because Sylvia sees through a different lens. She's got a, she's got a measure of Christ's gift in her as a giver. So she went to the store to buy some more salad. Does that make sense? It's called gift projection when you get when you project your gift on somebody else that somehow yours is better or yours is what they ought to be doing no we do not compete and we do not compare we share the life of christ together and we celebrate one another's giftings now the analogy of a body describes us as an organism with each member drawing our life from christ okay as i said earlier because we're we're all deriving life from christ we belong to each other. All right, let's go to the last one. Spiritual family is genuinely caring for others. Spiritual family is choosing to be present and involved in the lives of other Christ followers. Annie Lahan had uh, sent me that one when we were talking about spiritual family. It's a place of genuine care and devotion to the gospel. Look at Acts chapter 2, right here, verse 41 through 47. She says, when we genuinely care for each other and we devote ourselves to the same gospel, then it produces sincerity of heart and gladness of heart. Acts 2.41, those who gladly received his word were baptized. That day, 3,000 souls were added. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, number one, fellowship. That's koinonia. That's close uh, partnership in the gospel. The breaking of bread. I believe that's, you know, out outreach, sharing bread with others, but also breaking of bread together, and then prayer, spiritual discipline. So there's four basic food groups that existed in the early church. Apostles' doctrine, koinonia, close fellowship, breaking of bread, and then prayers. Then fear came upon everyone, signs and wonders done by the apostles. All who believed were together. They had all things in common, sold their possessions, divide them if anybody had need. That's the main point right there. They shared with each other as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and also breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. There it is, sincerity of heart. Praising God, having favor with all the people. 
And then look at this. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Do you remember in John 17 when Jesus said, "If when you're one as he and the Father are one, then the world will know that you sent me? This is part of the fulfillment of what he was saying. The early church was so united, so together, people started coming to know Jesus Christ through their unity. Now, that has not ended. It should still be going in the church today, which is why the Lord's stirring this in our own hearts right now. Um, Nikki mentioned on this one about being involved in others' lives. She was reminded of Priscilla and uh, Aquila. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Priscilla and Aquila. They had left their home to do some travel with Paul. They also had Paul come and stay in their home. When he moved in with them, they were helping to raise up other disciples and train people. They had such tight-knit fellowship. Uh, it's revealed here in Acts 20, verse 37. Paul's getting ready to leave. They all cried, literally wept, as they embraced and kissed Paul goodbye. This is uh, Aquila and Priscilla and Paul. They were sad most of all because he had said they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. After saying farewell to the elders, they sailed straight on. Uh, the Passion, I think it is translation, maybe New Living Translation, says once we tore ourselves away from him, he left. I mean, this is a, an incredibly fond farewell. They, they were doing life together. They were pursuing the gospel together. Does that make sense? It's so much deeper than just church membership or something. I mean, there was real life in their relationship and their connection. The next one, uh, let's go back to my list. Matt, you guys can come. Karen mentioned this one. Spiritual family is loving someone through the eyes and the grace of Jesus. I think that's so true. We're learning uh, to do that. It goes with 19. Gretchen had mentioned this one. Spiritual family is being taught by God to love each other. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. Look at this, guys. Concerning brotherly love, that's Philadelphia again, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love each other. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren in Macedonia. See, he didn't say, oh, only love this group. This is your spiritual family. No, we're learning to love all the brethren in Macedonia, but we urge you that you increase more and more and more and more in your love for each other. You have to be taught by God to love each other because, listen, it's impossible for you to love one another apart from Christ. I'm helping you right now. It's impossible. It's not just hard. It's impossible for you as a human being to love another human being apart from Christ. That's why when people get married, both people need to know Christ. Or it can be a challenge. So we're taught by God to love one another. As I said earlier, who wouldn't love Jesus? <laughs> he gave his, his life for all of us. But we have to steer clear. We read it last week, 1 John 4. You know, there's people that say, Oh, I love God, I love God. John said, Hold on a minute. Anybody who says they love God, whom they've never seen, and then won't love their brother right next to them, who they can see, is a liar. No one can say they love God and not love each other. So we have to continue to grow in the reality that how we love one another reveals the depth of our love for God. 
We are those people. That's why this is a counterculture uh, series that we're doing. We are those people that have learned by God to love each other well. Or we're learning that well. Matthew 25. Remember when Jesus separates the sheep and the goats. He said, Steve, that which you do to the least of these, my brethren, Rachel, how you treat Rachel, you've done unto me. That's not a figure of speech. Christ lives inside Rachel. How I treat Rachel is how I treat Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? That's why this is so important to his heart. We have to learn from him how to love one another. Let's start by recognizing Christ is in Stacy. Christ is in Larry. Christ is in Laura. How I treat them, that which I do to the least of these, my brethren, I treat him the same way. The last one goes with kind of everything I've been saying. Number 20, spiritual family is a place of challenge. <laughs> it, is, it is a challenge to love each other well, but he's placed this together. Hebrew says to stir one another to love and good deeds. We'll never learn to love very well if we're not challenged to do it. Okay? And some of us are more challenging than others to love. <laughs> but we're on God's payroll. You got that person that's hard for you to love? They're on God's payroll because it's very important for him to challenge you to grow in how to love like he loves. Amen? Stand with me. Woo, that's powerful. So powerful. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you've never started the journey with Jesus Christ. You'd say, Brother Steve, I- I'm not even born again. I want to be born into the family of God. If that's you this morning, just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.com.